This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We'll, we'll put up a Twitter poll afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants Neil off the We're, podcast? We're moving Neil from the Cloud Hunters podcast, yes or no? Uh, that will break my heart, guys. Don't do it. <laughs> I think I'm sorry, no, I couldn't do that. I think I'll get voted off the island, so don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Cannot play with it. Cannot win with it. Cannot cope with it. Can't do it. Now, man, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I am your host, Neil. The boys are back in town. Adam, we missed you last week. How was your trip? Oh man, it was phenomenal. Thank you for asking. I went out to uh I went out to Boston, visit some friends out there, um, checked out some Boston comedy while I was out there. That was a blast. Um saw my first ever live production showing of rocky horror picture show which is a fucking trip um if you've never been uh i definitely recommend but be aware of what you're walking into because uh it's like it i mean it's like a full-on burlesque show followed by a movie with scenes acted out in front of the movie with people screaming at the screen the entire time. Uh, I've never been in an environment that was more of a sensory overload, and I, I loved every minute of it. It was really awesome. Damn, it sounded like you did a lot out there. Yeah, dude. No, it was it was a good trip. I uh, I checked out the uh, uh, I, I, Boston Fine Arts Museum. Um, that was a really cool spot. Yeah, there's there's a lot of cool stuff. Was that your it, it was, first it was time? A there? Good couple days. Was that your first time in Boston? Yeah, it was my first time out there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, though. Nice, nice. Josh, you're also here, my man. What did you do? Anything? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> That's about good enough. I appreciate it, Josh. And uh, I'm here. I'm sick. I don't know if you guys could tell. Do I sound different? Oh, I could tell right away, Neil. I know when anything is ever bothering you, if you're ever troubled. Um, it's it's very apparent to me in your voice. I've you know I've become very aware of your needs over the years. It's good to know, man. That's what friends are for. Hey, bud. Anytime. I appreciate it, Josh. He doesn't notice it because Josh has a funny voice anyway. So he just... he's a teacher too, so he's like not allowed to judge people's voices. That's he true. just thinks all voices are equal. That's true. Josh, have you ever had like students that you wanted to judge and you just couldn't? Students that I wanted to judge? Yeah, like something that just bothered you about the kid, and you're like, ooh, this just irks me. Oh, yeah, every day of my career. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on let's before move on. Josh loses his job. Yes, Josh is a teacher in Hawaii. Josh is a teacher in Hawaii, in case you're looking to get him fired. Um, yeah, Josh, right. unfortunately, the two of our listeners work on the PTA. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, you're not advertising that you're on the podcast, are you, like Adam does? Not really. Okay. No, I don't have it on my Tinder profile. Okay, okay that's fair. Cause, Speaking uh, of which, uh, Neil, I really do need those co-hosts Clock Dodgers podcast bumper stickers. Um, <laughs> I, you told me we'd have those made up this year, but uh, for some reason you uh, kept fighting me on the title, which it's fucking weird. I don't get it. Yeah, man, I'm sorry. I actually have them made up over here. I just haven't mailed them to you. All right, all right. Get around to that, please. I, I had to make Josh one and, you know, customizing things. They take a while. Wait, Josh gets one? I've been doing this for years. Yeah, but Josh has earned his stripes quicker, man. God, that's what happens when you actually write outlines and yeah, stuff. Yeah, huh? Josh killed it today. So, you know, he earned the title this week. And he's been here a lot. You've been missing in action a few times. I feel like you're calling out sick a lot, man. So um, I missed one week. And nah, you're going Josh, after he's, this? Josh, he's missed more Josh, than one week. Josh right? missed a week. I did. I didn't even have a trip. <laughs> Damn, that's true. So you both missed one week. It's true. I felt like, even. I felt like Adam missed more, but I guess Neil, how many weeks have you missed? I've missed none. We gotta. We gotta fix that. We gotta do a Josh and I week. <laughs> you'll. You'll still be here because we'll need you to record it. We'll just not let you talk. It'll so be I, wonderful. So I'll record and edit, but just have no talking moments. I think that's the best way to do this. We'll, okay. we'll put up a Twitter poll afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants Neil off the We're, podcast? Removing Neil from the Cloud Hunters podcast, yes or no? Uh, that would break my heart, guys. Don't do it. Because I think I'm I'll sorry, get, no, I couldn't do that. Too I think much. I'll get voted off the island, so don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> Let's jump in. We got we got a packed episode. We actually took a um a Twitter question from uh pk ripper and turned it into like a whole episode it feels like so shout out to him first of all because he's one of the most active supporters of clog Otters, just in case you guys don't know on twitter that dude goes hard in the paint lots of retweets likes all that good stuff him a few other people michael stepney always showing it love oh, there's a couple people i can't think of. off the top of my head i apologize but yes we took his question and i feel like it may, we made a whole episode off of it so shout out to him for the question we'll get more to it later um, but let's jump into some of the headlines really quick, some of the news and everything that's going on, just so we can knock it out the way and then get into the other stuff that's going on that we always do. The first thing, a couple of guys hit the IR, Cam Newton being one of them. How much do we care? I know this hurt you a lot, Adam. It hurts me a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm depressed. Uh, I texted with you guys about it a little bit, but uh, Cam Newton was one of my most owned best ball quarterbacks. So um, he you know, plummeted a good 15 to 20% of my, uh, my best ball rosters. And I mean, obviously there, you know, are some that would survive with just one quarterback or there's the rare occasion where I drafted three quarterbacks and he was one of the three. Um, but yeah, it's, it's never, it's never good when someone who you're super high owned on, especially at quarterback, which is a onesie position goes down because there's just, you know, with with the best ball strategy I use, there's there's a high probability that he's only one of two quarterbacks. So it definitely limits my weekly upside and everything. So that's a bummer um, from a fantasy standpoint, though. Honestly, I think it just locks in Christian McCaffrey as the, you know, the savior of fantasy football. I mean, he's having just a historic season so far. I mean, outside of like a Marshall Falk or LaDainian Tomlinson, I don't think we've ever seen anybody like Christian McCaffrey. And it's phenomenal to watch him. And I think that with uh, Cam Newton going to the IR, it just cements his workload there. And, uh, you know, for all for all the Cam Newton ownership I had, I always had more Christian McCaffrey. So, so I'll take it. Yeah, I feel like the best ball aspect definitely is what takes the hardest hit here because – in 
I mean, unless you're in like a two QB league and you only had two QBs or something, then Cam Newton was one of them, then I get it too. But like just generally speaking in like redraft or just regular dynasty leagues, if you only had one quarterback starting, like there's there's been a lot of good quarterbacks. We've talked about it, you know, on previous episodes that there's been a lot of guys who have kind of popped up, um, whether they were backups previously, rookies, you know, even even Cam's backup, right? So I feel like there's been plenty of options, whether they're putting on Cam Newton, what you would expect from him, I don't know, but there's been a lot of options. So I feel like you know, this shouldn't be killing anybody except, you know, like you said, if you have a ton of best ball shares and, you know, you didn't plan around it, you know, appropriately. But, yeah, I mean, other than that, Josh, do you are you in agreement there that there's not really much other, like, is anybody really crying about this from a fantasy standpoint? No, I mean, it does feel like very just mismanaged to me, the way that they've handled Cam Newton and the way that he's played through injuries and, like, the coach is still saying, you know, before he actually went on IR, the coach was acting like he might come back. And I, I don't know. The whole thing just feels very strange. Yeah, I wonder how much of this is like Cam Newton, how much of it is the team. Like who's really – you know, it always seems like there's one side pushing harder than the other to like either play or not play. I wonder how, you know, yeah. how one side of this is. Um, there seems to be a disconnect. Yeah. I think some people would like to see Cam Newton play for another team <laughs> next year uh, if possible. But – yeah, there seems to be something going on there, and it could be Kyle Allen, man. That could be part of the issue, honestly. I mean, I don't know. The dude's playing really good, so I don't know. Maybe he wants a fresh start, Cam Newton. We'll see. I don't know. Cam has been such a Jekyll and Hyde character from when he's injured to when he's healthy. Like, when Cam Newton's healthy, he he plays like he's one of the you know top five, ten quarterbacks in the NFL, but... When he's unhealthy, like he he's just completely useless, and I think that maybe they've actually realized that, and they're better off just punting this season and, and having a fully healthy Cam Newton next year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And the other guy who went on IR, uh, which really tore your hearts out of your chest, the both of you, is Preston Williams, wide receiver for the Dolphins. Came in, has done really well. A lot of people love the guy, and he's gone. Here we are again with no one that you care about really in Miami as a wide receiver, although we'll talk about one in a couple of sec- couple minutes here. But Preston Williams, I know you two are really upset about this. Well, yeah, I mean, he just he just went off like he just like he finally hit. And then you get the news about the injury and, and that his year's done. And it's just like it it, it never it never hurts more than that, because, I mean, We've been waiting all year for Preston Williams to go off. I mean, I picked him as a lock of the week earlier in the year. I think one of you two might have at one point as well. He just – he's always seemed to have that that spark, but just for it to never fully ignite. And, I mean, it, it went off last week, and we saw, you know, just what he's capable of. And, honestly, from a production standpoint, I mean, he got those two touchdowns, and that was huge for fantasy. But – even that wasn't that huge of a week because, you know, he still he didn't eclipse 100 yards or, you know, he didn't even eclipse five receptions. So with that in mind, like it seemed like, you know, there was still a huge ceiling for him as a talent. And yeah, yeah it it sucks to watch him go down. Yeah. And, with, with, you know, with Preston Williams, it's like he was your your one hope for that team because everything kind of like just you know, fell apart there. We, you know, going into the season, people believe the Dolphins had, you know, a halfway decent team. And obviously it feels like it's gotten way worse than what even, you know, as worse than people predicted, I guess you would say. Um, But he was like that one bright spot where it was like, 
no matter how bad the team did, like we still remain kind of confident in him, you know, that he would have some decent weeks and stuff. So it definitely does suck. And, you know, I guess, I don't know. With an ACL tear now, we're going to have to wait for him to come back. This is going to be another, you know, a year probably. Who knows? So we'll see how this all plays out. Josh, um, you can always get Jordan Matthews, though, right? Yeah, that, that's that is that's great that he's back in the NFL. <laughs> Hopefully, he's finally healthy. I kind of I'm skeptical about it. You know, I feel like he's never really been right, but maybe now Adam feels I'm, like he's never been conversation worthy. Or maybe he has no, been at some point. I don't but. think that's the case. I don't think he's currently conversation currently. worthy. My bad. Don't want to misquote you, Adam. Not currently. I he, mean, you weren't even quoting me at all. You were paraphrasing that's true. me. That's true. It's rude. That's true. So even with Deshaun Jackson out, even with everything that's going down there, mm-hmm. no one's picking this guy up. Anyone taking a flyer on him at all? I mean, maybe in like deep dynasty league, sure. He's back on a roster. He's worth an ad. Like, there's potential there that. He could outperform somebody like Nelson Aguilar. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't know. I think it's just more them adding him as depth because he already yeah. knows the playbook. This is where they separate the great people from the good people, Adam. If you would have drafted Jordan Matthews and a bunch of your best balls, I'd have major respect, man. <laughs> yeah, he'd he'd be a super big factor. He'd he'd be really helping me along. <laughs> a wide receiver that we are happy that's hopefully back is AJ Green. AJ Green is potentially making his season debut. I don't think it's been confirmed a hundred percent because I don't think anything is ever a hundred percent with AJ Green. But there's a chance that this is it that he's coming back. Are you putting him in your lineup right away or are you waiting? I would wait. I would definitely want to wait. I mean, I just want to see how many snaps he's even going to get out there and take. I don't really doubt that he's still A.J. Green, but I I have no idea what they're going to do with him. Yeah, I mean, he was held out of practice today. Uh, Today's Wednesday that we're recording this. So, to me, Wednesday is always kind of that iffy day for practice reports. Tomorrow is really going to be the big test. If he practices tomorrow, he might play, but... I feel like something's going on that's a little fishy there. Um, I think that there's a couple NFL teams that uh, might be tanking. (laughs) And I think Cincinnati is becoming one of them. Uh, With that in mind, I think that there is possibility that they hold out A.J. Green for another week or two. I don't know. I mean, if they go crazy and, like, put him on IR or something, that, that would really catch me off guard. But... I think even if he comes back this week, it's a terrible matchup. I mean, they're going up against Baltimore, which leads the league in time of possession. You know, they're going to be playing from behind all game. And people think that that, you know, correlates to a ton of passing. And, you know, sure, it might. But we don't even know if Andy Dalton's going to be the quarterback there. I mean, it sounds like he's not. And the last thing I want is, you know, some quarterback taking their first reps, throwing to a wide receiver coming off injury in a terrible matchup. So I think even if, if AJ Green's a go, I, I'm not starting him anywhere. Yeah. Also, all signs point to no, but we'll talk about him a little bit later too on our rank when we have him thrown in the list there. Let's jump over to trust issues really quick because, like I said, we got a lot to, to cover here today. We mentioned Preston Williams tearing his ACL and being out for the season and being the lone bright spot, 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 spot that we trusted in Miami. Well, I think it's worth bringing up our man Devontae Parker for trust issues because Williams is gone. You got to hope that somebody is going to get some love there. Parker actually hasn't played horrible. Has he Josh? 
No, it seems like they've kind of changed the way that they're using him. Like through the first three or four weeks of the season, he was getting targets like at 20 plus yards down the field. And and they were probably untouchable targets and he was not catching them. But in the last three, four weeks, it's been a lot. It's been about 10 yards is what his ADOT is. And he's been a lot more efficient with them, not surprisingly. So, you know, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center, I feel like he's he's worth an ad, especially in redraft. I, I wouldn't pay much for him in Dynasty. You probably wouldn't have to pay much for him, but it's more of just a waiver wire ad for me. I'm crazy enough to say I'd trust him as a flex. Would you trust him as a flex? You know, I trust him more than Alex Erickson. <laughs> I trust him more than Taylor Gabriel, I think. Interesting. Adam, do you trust him as a flex? I can't believe you said I think after Taylor Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, for four of the last five weeks has found the end zone. Um, he's seeing a pretty consistent target share, and now the largest target receiver on that offense from wide receiver position is gone. So you you have this opening for him to be receiving an even larger target share. And I think that, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up with Devonta Parker to be anything insane, but as a flex, I think he's definitely flex-worthy for just kind of a high-floor receiver. He's going to go for like four for 50, and if he finds the end zone, he has another week like last week where he puts up 15, 16 fantasy points. So I think that ultimately, he, you know, he's one of those guys who has a high floor, and if he catches a touchdown, it's a great game. Yeah, he'd be a perfect, not-so-obvious flex of the week. He'd be perfect. He was actually one of the guys I was considering for. But yeah, he, he he's a guy that we think is flex-worthy. We all think he's flex-worthy. Um, more than that, you're asking probably for a lot to trust. Uh, the next guy on our list here is Ronald Jones. I mean, we've this guy has been brought up a lot, right? I feel like he gets talked about a lot. We're constantly waiting for Ronald Jones to actually be trusted. Do we feel like we can trust him now? Yeah, I, I think that they're finally, you know, they've kind of settled on what they want to do, and it, it involves Ronald Jones getting a lot of touches, you know. So he's he's been fairly elusive just with his juke rate and, you know, evaded tackles, the metrics like that. But he's not, he's not breaking any long runs, really. So he's kind of like like a Frank Gore. Like he's, he's going to go out, get, you know, 15 to 20 carries, pound out four yards a carry, and and that's that's playable. So I, I trust him to be that. So let me ask Adam then, what, what do you say to someone who hears what Josh just said and says to themselves, I've heard this before about Ronald Jones. Why should I trust him now? I think it's right. I mean, honestly, Ronald Jones is what we thought he was. He's a plodding running back who – doesn't really do a lot of work in the passing game and is going to be extremely volume dependent. Um, if they give him volume, though, he tends to find the end zone. And when he finds the end zone, he tends to have a good fantasy performance. So I think it's one of those situations where, I, I mean, I honestly, like, I don't want to rely on him, but running back is so decimated that this is this is what is good. Like a guy who might get double digit carries in a week, sign me up. 
because honestly, there's there's not a ton like that. And the Bucks put up points every single week. So he has a greater probability to score touchdowns than a lot of other players just because of how often that offense is going to be in scoring position. So I think really as far as like volume dependent running backs go, he's one that I think has some weekly upside. I, yeah, I, I still have trust issues. Like, if I had to say one way or the other, I would say I still have trust issues just because I don't trust that they're going to give him the volume, and I think he's super volume-dependent. Um, but, like, this week against Arizona, you got to play him. So, you know, running backs decimated. The, the guys like this are, are guys who you're going to have to be making decisions over. So I think you take it on a week-to-week basis. I think this week it's a trust, but... As far as moving forward, I still have trust issues. Adam, before I let Josh talk again, so if you had Devontae Parker and Ronald Jones to choose between your flex this week, who would you choose? Devontae Parker. Okay. No hesitation. Would you take the plotter, Josh? The plotter of Ronald Jones? Yeah, I think I probably would. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> I, I mean, I Parker probably has the ceiling. I don't know, but I don't know, really. Like, it's just, it's he's going to have to fall into the end zone twice. To really have like a big game, I do you think with Preston Williams gone that Devontae Parker sees double digit targets? I do. Yeah, I do too. Well, I mean, if that happens, you know that that's a big deal. It's a big deal, and Devontae Parker is a big deal. Josh, you just said it yourself. It's a beautiful thing. I think I would. Yeah, it. it's fine. Like I'm not, I'm not angry at Devontae Parker. Like earlier in the season. I don't know if it's just what they were doing with him or, or what was happening, but it was it was ugly. Yeah. But it seems like it's changed now. Maybe it's just Ryan Fitzpatrick. Times are changing in Miami, kind of. Not the losing, but maybe some other stuff. Um, the last guy on our list I feel like you're both definitely going to be more excited about than the first two, Jalen Samuels. We obviously seen him fill in last week. His rushing yards were trash, but those targets are so damn beautiful. And, you know, just personally, I don't see how you cannot trust Jalen Samuels when he's the best wide receiver on the on the Steelers. And, uh, you know, Antonio Brown's no longer in Pittsburgh, and he was the only wide receiver that mattered. And I'm just kidding. I still think uh, Juju's decent, guys. He's decent. I'm never going to love him like you guys love him. But Jalen Samuels, I mean, he's uh, he looked great. He looked great from a wide receiver perspective, right? From a targets perspective, it was hard to deny that. Even if, you know, Connor comes back, because I think I've seen him practicing this week. You guys seen that, right? Yeah, I think he's day-to-day. Yeah, so if he plays, I mean, I still trust Jalen Samuels. I don't see how you can't trust him, basically, with all those targets. But, you know, maybe you guys see it differently. Maybe you guys don't see it the way I see Maybe you guys feel like Juju's going to get more of those targets, and it's just a weird week with Connor out. How do you guys feel about Jalen Samuels? It's just hard to trust a guy, a running back, who is getting all of it in the passing game. And they just keep finding these bodies to, you know, if it's not – uh, if it's not Connor, then it's Benny Snell. If it's not Benny Snell, then it's Trey Edmonds to come out and take all of the carries. And it's great that he gets 13 targets or something a game, but does that continue? I, I don't trust him. I mean, I'm just glad Mason Rudolph has finally found a wide receiver with his ADOT. Like, this, <laughs> this is what Rudolph was looking for, man. Four-yard yeah. catch. Three-yard catch. That's my <laughs> shit right there. Um, yeah, I mean, James White 2.0 is uh, is neat. Um, 
I'd like it if you played for a team that I thought could score more than once a game. I'd like it if uh, that quarterback knew how to throw the ball more than 10 yards, but he doesn't. Um, so as far as trust, trust issues, I think it's super dependent on whether or not Connor comes back just from a snaps perspective. Um, I think if Connor's out still, you, you have to trust Samuels. I think if Connor's back, it's definitely more of a question mark. Uh, just simply because I can't, I, I, there's, there's nothing in my right mind tells me to take the pass catching running back on the bad team, but they're they're throwing them the ball more than anybody else on the team. I mean, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around at this point. So I mean, I don't know. I think I still end up in the trust issues side of things unless Connor's out. So let's do it this way. I, we've never done this before, but we have no not so obvious flex of the week, and we always do rank them. And I'm kind of curious. I've never tried this before. Devontae Parker, Ronald Jones, Jalen Samuels this week for your flex. How do you rank them? I go Parker. Samuels Jones. Oh yeah, I think I'd agree. I think Parker Samuels Jones is probably right. Just because like Samuels is going to do nothing on the ground, Jones is going to do nothing through the air, but fantasy, I mean, if we're talking PPR, then yeah, it's Samuels. Yeah. Well, can, Connor if if I know Connor's out, then I think I would probably put I'd probably be okay with running Samuels First number one. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, but Connor's going to catch some passes. So if he's playing that, that really makes me wonder exactly what kind of work Samuels is going to get. I, I would I would rather play Jalen Samuels than Ronald Jones, just because you know Ronald Jones is just just taking carries and he's just going to have to fall into the end zone. Yeah, Samuels is so Jekyll and Hyde, man. Wow. Two games over 20 points, every single other game, five or less, that he's played. That's uh, it's pretty that's, dramatic. That's volatile. Yeah, I mean, the games where he gets 13 targets, he's great. Yeah, exactly. And in the other game, eight, eight targets, eight receptions. So it's like, are you expecting Jalen Samuels to get seven, eight targets every week and score touchdowns every week? I, I don't know. God, it's yeah, that's tough to rely on. It'll be interesting. All right, let's jump over to rank them. We have two groups of rank them today. We have running backs, which are Austin Eckler against the Raiders. That is Thursday night football. We have Singletary against the Browns. And we have Matt Breda against the Seahawks. Who wants a who's passionate to start this one? I'll jump in. All right. Because uh, when I initially saw this, my first reaction was Matt Breda is at the bottom of the group. Um, as much as I love Matt Breida, the player, the way that they're utilizing the running backs on that team just does not make me feel confident in his touches. Um, I think that he's going to be super touchdown dependent. So unless he, you know, scores two touchdowns, I don't think that he's really going to produce much in the way of fantasy. They're just not using him in the passing game enough to support his low volume. So for me, he automatically drops to the bottom. So then it really becomes a question of like Austin Eckler versus Devin Singletary for me. And I think Singletary just presents way more upside. Uh, I think Eckler has way more upside just as a talent. We've seen that, but that's not how the Chargers are going to use him. Um, with Devin Singletary, as the season wears on and you know Frank Gore continues to get older, <laughs> um, we're going to continue to see Devin Singletary get work. And I mean, with him getting 20 touches last week, I think that that for me was just like, okay, that's it. 
that's enough. That's all I needed. He, if he gets volume, he's going to be great. So with it being a pretty solid matchup against Cleveland, I think he jumps to the front of the pack for me. So, yeah, I think, I think Singletary is, is my favorite of the three. Yeah, it, it pains me to say it, but I'm actually going Eckler first, even though it's against my Raiders. I just know what they're susceptible to. And I know how good he is, and I know how crazy these Raiders-Chargers games get, and I'm just not confident in like him being held back at all. So I would go Raider. I would go, oh, excuse me, Eckler, Singletary, and Breed Alas for the same reasons you mentioned earlier. Josh, where do you fall on this uh, rank them? I don't know if I could go Eckler first. I mean, Singletary's opportunities are just ramping up. Week by week, it seems. And Eckler is, you know, maybe maintaining, fading a bit. And then I think if Frida could stay healthy, I think he's the best running back in San Francisco. But, he, you know, he he doesn't do that. And he had that problem last year. So I, I think I would have to go Singletary. He just feels like safest for his opportunities trending in the right direction. I, yeah, I don't know. It's close. Man, Austin Eckler is my spirit animal. This guy can't do enough to ever make you guys happy. It's never enough. I'm never enough. He's never enough. I, f- I understand how he feels, man. It ain't him. It's the Chargers. Yeah, I guess. And Melvin Gordon being back. And they got a new offensive coordinator. And how are they going to do this and that? Um, team's just terrible. They're yeah. going to lose to your Raiders. It's going to be yeah. gross. I don't know, man. We'll see. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> we still got that. <laughs> Win loss bet, which isn't looking too bad for me right now. I got it. It's not looking too bad at all for you. (laughs) I feel a little bit better than last year's. Uh, (laughs) The other uh, group that we have here is the wide receivers of Lockett versus the 49ers, AJ Green, who we mentioned earlier against the Ravens, and Keenan Allen versus the Raiders. First, the Raiders. It's sad to say I'm going Keenan Allen first because he's going against the Raiders. I'm going Lockett next. And I'll go A.J. Green last for all the reasons we mentioned earlier about his matchup, not trusting him too much off of his injury, his quarterback, all that good stuff. But I got a feeling you guys are going to put Lockett ahead of Keenan Allen. I don't know. I just feel like that's what you guys are I don't think I don't think I could go Lockett ahead of Keenan against the 49ers. Okay. If, if it was Lockett, um, you know, against the Falcons, then I would go Lockett number one. But – it, it also seems like kind of foolish to me to go full on fade Tyler Lockett because you know what he's going to do. Like it doesn't matter if he gets four targets, one of them's either a 70 yard reception or a touchdown or both. So I, I just don't think you can really match up fade him. I, you know, I like Keenan Allen against the Raiders more. That feels like, you know, that's almost money in the bank. And then A.J. Green, we already said, you know, I want to see a week of him just being used before I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but currently I think Russell Wilson is the MVP of the season. And I'm super excited to see him go up against the 49ers, who I think are either the best or second best defense in the NFL right now. Um, with that being said, I, I, I just I don't think that you can bench lock it. I just don't think it's possible. I think if you have him on your roster after what he did last week, if you're able to bench him, you're a different person than I because I can't. I can't look at somebody who's coming off a forty-point week and just like bench him. It's just not going to happen, regardless of the matchup. 
So for me, he automatically is number one, uh, just because his ceiling is immense. Um, with that being said, I think Keenan Allen, he, he falls to number two for me just because I don't know if A.J. Green's going to play. And if A.J. Green even does play, I have no idea what that target share is like. As I talked about before, I think the time of possession, because Baltimore leads the league and they're going to dominate, they're playing Cincinnati, I think it's just not in his favor. He's not going to see enough targets to actually be relevant. So I think Keenan Allen does fall in the middle. Um, although, man, looking at what he's done, I mean, he, he's still seen decent amount of targets, especially when they've been on the road. So, it, I mean, the, the targets are there. He's just not turning it into production. So I'll be interested to see if he can finally flip that switch again because, I mean, we all know he's capable of it. You're making it sound like you like Devontae Parker over Keenan Allen this week. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's what you sounded like. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's just sounded like. Especially with the Thursday short week narrative. But no, nah, I, I don't think you can do it. <laughs> I, I mean, Oakland, they're just, they're too bad on defense. Watch your mouth. Uh, Let's not get I mean, out of they hand. Are, Let's not get out of hand. The, the Raiders secondary Every single week, except for one week this year, has allowed at least 140 receiving yards. Like, they're... I don't know. I just... Yeah. I, I think if Keenan Allen gets the gets the target, sure, he, he, he could definitely go off this week. But, yeah, for me, Lockett still sits at number one. All right, cool. Well, that covers our rank'em for this week. We are going to jump over into our... Um, segment that was started again because of our uh, our buddy on Twitter, PK Ripper. His actual handle is at A-M-A-Z-E-652. You should follow him. He's a really cool dude. He's a Jets fan, which I'm sorry, but yeah, he's a good dude. And um, his, his, so let me, let me read his question first off. So it makes it clear for everybody what's going on here. Um, so, uh, we asked for a question. He hit us with a question that says, say your fantasy football team is playoff bound. What players have the best matchups week six, uh, week 13 through 16 that we should be rostering now to make a championship run? So we tried to figure out the best way to approach this. Josh took it uh, took it well, man. He, 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 took, he, he really made this as simple as possible for us to attack it with help from uh, FF Toolbox. He used a lot of their uh, playoff strength and schedule tool. Um, so shout out to them. But Josh really put this together well. Josh, do you want to explain it a little bit more since you put it all together? Oh, I mean, they just they have a really nice uh, sort of a grid that you can look at. And it breaks everything down by position and just shows you very plainly who has the best the best schedule going through different chunks of the season. It's It's a really nice, clean tool. Okay, cool. So what we did, what Josh did, what Josh put together here was basically we got the worst QB schedules, the best uh, playoff schedules for quarterbacks. We did the same thing. You did the same thing for running backs and the same thing for wide receivers. Kind of a way for us to, um, you know, identify who doesn't have a good schedule and whether we would choose to remove one of those guys, whether it's to trade, drop, whatever you want to do, and whether you would trade or pick up off of waivers one of the other quarterbacks who – right now aren't as highly favored as the other guys, but their schedules in the playoffs are much more favorable and therefore, you know, worth the idea of whether you would pick them up or not over your, you know, your starters of today, basically. Um, 
So you have here under the worst QB schedules, you have Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Josh Allen, Jared Goff, and Mahomes. You have for the best playoff schedules, you have guys like Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, Foles, whoever is the quarterback in Denver, and Fitzpatrick. So the question here then, Josh, would be, would you be willing to basically drop or trade one of these guys in the worst QB schedules for the playoffs for one of the guys in the in the best playoff schedules for the quarterbacks? You know, I think I think I would definitely be willing to drop or trade away Jared Goff <laughs> to the surprise of no one. <laughs> so, and, and then a guy, you know, for, so so a guy that I would be interested in adding, I Nick Foles. The Jags in those in those playoff weeks play the Bucks, Chargers, Raiders, and Falcons. So I mean, assuming that. The Jaguars turn everything back over to Nick Foles. I, I think Nick Foles is happening through the end of the season. Yeah, you know, Bucks, Chargers, Raiders, Falcons. That's that's pretty outstanding. Yeah, I know Adam is not having that from you. Not the golf hate. Or will Adam agree with the tough schedule? No, you guys are so dumb when it comes to Jared Goff. <laughs> I don't even think you should ever be allowed to talk about quarterbacks anymore. <laughs> it's like it's just it's 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 it makes me stutter because it makes me so upset <laughs> because it's like you guys don't even pay attention to how many fantasy points he scores you're just like i don't like him he looks dumb and you know what he does he looks dumb i get it but he puts up 25 fantasy points every damn week uh but no all right so for me for the worst quarterback schedule to finish out the year uh i, I honestly for me, it's really it's really tough because I honestly think that quarterbacks are more dependent on schedule than like any other position. With that being said, almost all the quarterbacks that have the worst or the toughest playoff schedules that I could find are all the most like concrete, confident week after week producers at the quarterback position. So um I, I'm going to go with Josh Allen as the quarterback that I felt like had the worst schedule and then ultimately is someone who I could see dropping or, if nothing else, you know, playing the matchups with. They face Baltimore in Week 14, which is just going to be a really tough matchup. Again, like I was already talking about earlier, just from a strength of schedule standpoint, they're overall going to struggle but the first week of the playoffs is the most important. You lose that week and you're done. And for them to be going up against a team that leads the league in time of possession, that most likely is going to win and they're going to be trailing, I just don't like the game script for Josh Allen. I don't think it's a good position for him overall. And I just think that ultimately week 14 is the most important of all the fantasy playoff matchups because it's the very first one. You lose, you're done. Um, so for me, he'd be the guy who I'd be most willing to – move away from and honestly of of the guys who josh highlighted uh the one that was standing out to me even before this is ryan Tannehill. like i'm i'm so surprised by what Tannehill has been able to do so far in his two starts i mean he you know he he's playing like jared goff <laughs> he's playing like another one of these quarterbacks that scores 20 points every week and everybody just seems to somehow overlook um but I, I'm not overlooking it. I, I think that what he's done over the last three weeks is super impressive. And as somebody who you can just pick up and play off waivers, I think that he's a guy that I'd be looking to add now 
And if this continues, he's somebody who I definitely would feel confident in starting in the fantasy playoffs. You know, also with Tannehill, like if you if you want to go ahead and buy into the strength of schedule schedule end of this, it, it seems that the, the Titans and the Cleveland the Browns both have not only a favorable schedule for QB but also for wide receiver. But you would think those would line up really well, but in the top five. Only those two have both, so I, that that to me is like an extra an extra layer of of confidence for for Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, and especially with guys like AJ Brown who are still potentially on waiver wires. Um, if he's out there, he's a fantastic ad right now as well. So yeah, I think that those are the, the just the Tennessee passing game altogether if Tannehill stays in that position and it begins to gel which it seems like it's been doing over the past few weeks as that progresses it could definitely you know form some some concrete week-to-week fantasy producers yeah I'm actually I was exactly on point with Adam (laughs) as far as who he would take out and who he would put in so there's not really much for me to say besides what Adam already said obviously for me the the reason I choose Josh Allen is just because of the fact that I feel like if you have to pick one of these guys to be the most like volatile guy that can have a down week and it's not you know that surprising, it's Josh Allen. You know, although the the running touchdowns always kind of protect him in a way, but you know they're not every single week. So if I had to pick one guy that you know that I would actually be nervous about, he'd probably be the guy. Jared Goff is close, but I think Josh Allen makes me a little more nervous if I had to get into the playoffs with it. And Tannehill is just a safer option. That's how I feel about it. So. Yeah, uh, that's why I go exactly what Adam said. <laughs> Sorry, Josh, I had to abandon your Jared, Jared Goff, man. He's not good. It's it's. Okay. <laughs> or he's ugly, like Adam said. He's just a weird-looking dude. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> it's so funny how much contention Jared Goff has caused on this podcast. He's a real he's a real troublemaker. He's in the running with Duke Johnson. You guys are just big fans of The Incredibles. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump over to uh, worst running back schedules. Josh has Detroit, Buffalo, Indianapolis, and Houston as the worst schedules for running backs. And the best ones uh, for playoff matchups for the running backs, we have uh, a committee edition, he says. Denver, New England, and Chicago. That's the best. Which, that committee word is a scary word when it comes to the playoffs. I don't give a damn what matchup you have. So, does anyone feel really strongly about something here? Because, hmm. I mean, I would love to sell Carlos Hyde. <laughs> I don't know if anybody, of course I don't know if anybody is going to buy him. I, you, I think you could definitely move Marlon Mack and like get something, you know. And then if if you could get Philip Lindsay and and very much else, that I think that would work for me. This is the weirdest thing, but have you guys looked at Marlon Mack's game log recently? Because it is the most random ping-ponging of points I've ever seen. It's literally each week, 28 points, 8, 16 points, 3, 20 points, 8, 16 points, 8. Like, yeah. He's all over the place. And literally, it's just week to week. So uh, you can play Marlon Mack in week 14 and 16. That's two of three weeks of the fantasy playoffs. So I don't know, man. I I think I'd keep him. Um, No, I I was actually going to be right on board with that. Just because 
I think Marlon Mack of the group um, is probably the one that I think is most dependent upon workload. And actually, of the teams you listed, he's really the only like workhorse that there is. So he's the only one I think you could actually gain any value from trading away. Um, as far as the potential ads, though, man, I I really like David Montgomery. If they keep using him in Chicago, I, I like him a ton. And I, I mean, I've said it all along, but I think Sony Michelle also, you know, as the season wears on and those winter months start, the Patriots are going to start running the ball. They're going to start running the ball a lot, whether we like it or not. And Sony's going to have big games. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, both those guys, Montgomery and Sony Michelle, if you can acquire them, it's great. Uh, I think you've probably missed the window on Montgomery because the last two weeks he's gotten great usage and because of that has had huge production but sony michelle might be one that you know you can still acquire for cheap and if you can i think that it's a it's a worthwhile move yeah i I think mac is the only guy actually i wouldn't trade in this group i would trade detroit running backs i would trade singletary while he's hot what are you gonna get neil i mean i would trade i would trade any of those guys except mac for philip Lindsay, 100 percent. i would trade singletary for philip Lindsay. i would trade ty johnson for singletary for Lindsay. I would trade any of them. All right. Well, how about somebody you don't have a hard on for? Because like we. Well, know I'm Phil really Lindsay, sad about but... Cohen. I'm really sad about Cohen in Chicago. How about like uh, a Devonta Parker or somebody that we've already <laughs> talked about? Well, I mean, does he have a good playoff schedule? No, Adam. So you're trying to bait me into a bad answer. <laughs> well, which isn't hard to do. Let's take a look at Miami's playoff schedule. <laughs> I'm pretty sure any team that they're playing is a bad matchup, but why not? Let's give it a gander. <laughs> I think it's just somewhere in the middle, you know. And I really think that's probably how it works with strength of schedule. Either you have very good, very bad, or somewhere in the middle. Ah, this isn't bad. Jets, Giants, Bengals. I, I like it, bud. Ooh. I like it, actually. I would definitely move the Detroit running backs for Devonta Parker. 100%. I'd also move the Houston running backs, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean... I, I wouldn't move Duke. But, but <laughs> Carlos, <Hyde>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess the real question come comes back to players that we've already talked about earlier. So the real question is Singletary or Devonta Parker, who would you rather have in the fantasy playoffs? Give me Devontae Parker. Yeah, I'm gonna stare with Singletary. Uh somebody who has a chance at, you know, twenty touches a week uh, is always the pick. But how much ceiling does a wide receiver like Parker have on a team as bad as the Dolphins? I mean, I know they throw the ball a lot, but they don't score a lot. So I don't know. Ryan Patrick Ryan Patrick threw three touchdowns last week. So okay. So if he's got ceiling, that's geez, that that feels gross. <laughs> yeah, singletary for me, no hesitation. <laughs> but I don't hesitate in life, guys. No, that's because you get all your information from ESPN.com. We get it. But hey, man, you Parker, should subscribe. Parker's the best answer here. All right. I mean, is there anything we're missing here as far as the running back? No, but is ESPN a subscription? I honestly don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just said that, and I was like, do they even offer subscriptions? They got the insider thing, whatever. But I, don't, I don't know if that does fantasy. That's right. They do, yeah. I think. I don't know. You would think they have to have something. ESPN. You think so. All right. Um also, besides schedule, like, is that the only thing you guys are looking at as far as, you know, players you're looking to get? Or is there other, you know, is there other variables besides just schedule that you guys, you know, 
kind of incorporate a little bit? Like if maybe the guy doesn't have the easiest schedule, but is there players that you target for another reason? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things that I look at. So um, there's always those just winner running backs, if you will, uh, running backs on teams that are going to have leads uh, in games late in the year that are just going to run the ball a ton. Like I talked about Sony Michelle. Um, I mean, Derrick Henry famously has just been gigantic at the end of years. But then I think there's also like the uh, guys who – are potential handcuffs with big workloads. So like a Tony Pollard, for instance, is a decent deep bench stash just on the off chance he goes down or, uh, you know, trying to, well, Latavius Murray's tough because Kamara's already banged up. So I don't think you're really going to be able to pry him away from anybody. Um, But kind of having that idea in mind of, of trying to target some, potential handcuffs or, or lottery tickets at the running back position. Cause as we get later in the year, there's always a handful of guys that just go down, miss time, get nicked up. And, you know, guys like Jamal Williams last year end up winning fantasy leagues, you know? So looking where you can identify players like that and, and just getting guys who, if another player in their backfield misses time that they're going to get a huge workload increase, I think, I think it's huge. And I mean, you know, we talked about it earlier with a guy like Jalen Samuels. If, if Connor goes down, I think there's a lot of examples like that, but, but those are the type of situations to look to identify. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and Josh, another variable that I'm kind of curious about, or just a decision-making, you know, idea here, when you are thinking about players to add for the playoffs or players to trade for the playoffs, are you looking for, ceiling or are you just look, I mean what 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 like do you, are you looking for guys who are like high risk high reward like they could just explode or are you looking for like safety nets where you feel like you know you're pretty confident in their in their floor what what do you look for when you're thinking about just specifically targeting players to add or trade for for playoffs I think it's more of a ceiling thing if my team is in the playoffs like they're they're decent and so I don't think that you have a lot of need for the very just mediocre players, you know, plus the bye weeks are behind. So like Mohamed Sanu's, they can, they can go back to the waiver wire. I'd rather have someone who's going to be a Devonta Parker who has ceiling or could be just a total bust. You know, and then like another thing I look for would be if you can sort of see see a team dynamic that's bringing a player to the forefront, so like Christian Kirk, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is fading, it seems. It's sad, but he's fading towards the end of the year. And Kirk has a real good chance to seize just a number one share in an offense that throws the ball a lot. So that's another guy I'm interested in. Or like Josh Reynolds. You know, there's a team – Team dynamic going on there that Brandon Cooks is out. I don't think he's coming back this week. So, you know, that I'm interested in him as well. You know, maybe even a Nikhil Harry with with what the, is going on with the, the Patriots pass catchers. You were doing so well, Joshua. <laughs> you were doing so well. And then you were like, what about this other guy that I really like? And we're like, no, why, why Nikhil Harry? Why did we add him? He could come out and do nothing. Or he could go out and get, uh, you know, a, a 20% target share. It could happen. <laughs> so no. So no. <laughs> <laughs> how, 
How about a Josh Gordon? Is so is he is he practicing with the Seahawks yet? I think he's ready to go. Man. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean Russell Wilson's gonna hit him. It's it's such it's it's such a weird dynamic because they have three wide receivers that extend essentially they do very similar things. Like they're all deep A dot guys. They're like it, it it it's such a weird choice. He's so similar to DK and to Lockett already. Um, I think it's going to be so interesting to watch how they utilize them. Yeah, here, um, here's a little but it's bit. Seattle, so it's going to be poorly. <laughs> like, yeah, here, here, here's a little bit of what Pete Carroll said. He said, "I'm telling you, I'm just waiting to see. I've seen him on film. He looks pretty special. He has a good history of making plays and all that. I want to see him when he mixes with our guys and really just take it one step at a time with no expectations on how much he could contribute or play or whatever. I'm just going to see what happens." He also said he's been cleared to go. He's ready to go on Thursday when we get rolling again. He'll be going. He's in the building studying and all that, getting ready. We'll see how it goes. But why do the Patriots bring in Mohamed Sanu and cut Josh Gordon? So weird. I still can't understand it. We can't. We can't act like that isn't something that just happened. Like Josh Gordon still does some dumb shit under the radar. Would be my guess. That was my initial reaction when it happened. But then for Seattle to add him and for nothing to have come out, that seems extraordinarily unlikely to me. So then the next question becomes, well, did they – like, I I can't wrap my mind around it. I really can't. Um, they either made a, a terrible mistake or they don't think he's going to work out. And that's – I don't know. That's, it's tough to wrap my mind around either. Yeah, I love that they they do have like it's like this is Russell Wilson's type of wide receiver maybe like you know how for a while they were getting Cam Newton all of the big slow guys and so for Russell Wilson it's just the opposite it's just four verts all the time it's awesome <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's just gonna make him that much more dangerous when plays break down which is honestly where he's the most impressive um honestly like I, I want to go back on something that I said preseason because I was down on Russell Wilson coming into this year because I did not think that from a even a team standpoint that they would give him enough opportunity to be successful for fantasy um what I failed to take into consideration is how bad of a coach Pete Carroll actually is Everybody acts like he's great, and uh, I didn't realize he forgot how to coach defense so that uh, Russell Wilson is forced to throw the ball 40 times a game, and it's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for for what he does and how much he's being forced to throw, I mean, it's wheels up. Like, I mean, he, he has QB1 potential on the season, so Josh Gordon definitely has potential to have some big games in there. But it's... It's so perplexing to me that New England let him go like that and that Seattle picked him up that quickly and that nothing's came out. It yeah. seems. Yeah, I agree. And so weird. And it also brings us, you know, I guess Josh Gordon kind of makes sense here also because when we look at the worst wide receiver schedules, New Orleans, New England, Rams, Chicago, Chiefs, but the best playoff schedules for wide receivers, Tennessee, Indy, Cleveland, and Seattle. Man. 
If strength of schedule actually matters in fantasy and all of the teams that have New Orleans, New England, Rams, and Chiefs wide receivers lose to the teams that have Tennessee, Seattle, and Cleveland wide receivers. Uh, Cleveland wide receivers, I wouldn't buy them. I don't give a hell what this fucking playoff schedule says. Zach Pascal's going to win people leagues, dude. (laughs) It's It's possible, man. That's actually, yeah, that's not a bad, that's not a bad comment. I uh, I don't mind that at all. That is definitely possible. I mean, nobody's uh, Well, selling. actually, I guess that depends on Brissett coming back and everything, but I would assume he's going to. What's interesting about this wide receiver schedule is with the worst ones is there's a lot of good wide receivers on this list of teams. And I'm curious, would you sell any of them for these other teams? Like, is there a certain guy that sticks out more than others to you on these on these list of teams that you would actually look to move? Yeah, I mean, that's where it ultimately comes into question. How much stock do you put into strength of schedule? Yeah. And I think that uh, it, it's such a tough decision for me as an individual to make, especially with, like, talented teams. Yeah, or you look at it as, like, you know, Trubisky is struggling just period. The Bears are struggling period. Now you give them a tough wide receiver schedule, so – you know, do you look to get out of an Allen Robinson? Would you would you would you be willing to do it for an AJ Brown now that he's got Tannehill or for a Zach Pascal? You know I mean, like these are the things you gotta think about now if your team is playoff already, you know, locked or ready. In Dynasty, I do not hate moving Brandon Cooks to get an AJ Brown. Yeah. I, I hate that so much it hurts me. I'm, I don't know why you hate it so much. This guy is – How old do you think Brandon Cooks is, 40? not that he's old. It's that Cooper Cup has asserted his dominance. <laughs> and and it like and Jared Goff is not throwing him the ball. But we're, but we're also talking about if you're in the playoffs, right? Or are you just saying in general? He said in Dynasty. That's oh, but, but, I mean, but I mean Dynasty playoffs or are you just saying – Yeah, I mean like that's a move that makes sense – for the future, and but also could help you in the playoffs. I'm not mad at it. Adam's mad at it. I'm not mad at it. I'm mad at it. Yeah, I'm very mad at it, but I'm it's cool. It. <laughs> I can be mad online. What, what <laughs> it's important to mention, though, for anyone listening, is we would not sell guys 100% based off a of schedule. We would not buy guys 100% based off a of schedule unless it's a minor, you know, it seems like a minor move or a really good deal just because – you know, the Saints have a bad schedule or, you know, whatever. We're not going to trade the top players just because of the schedule. We've mentioned that there's other variables that, you know, we're considering. I don't want nobody to think that we're actually selling strictly because of a playoff schedule. I just think it's an interesting conversation. It definitely needs to be ha- had and has to be considered. Um, how much you put into that, I guess, really just matters about how many other variables you include, right? How much you put on weather, how much you put on coaching, how much you put on, you know, all all these other things. I mean, there's, there's so much to look at. Um, but what's super important and, and why we you know, wanted to make it a big part of this episode is that the playoffs are an important part to focus on now, right? I mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Like, if you are, if your team is really good right now and you know that you're pretty much either locked or about to be locked into the playoffs, like, you have to start looking ahead now. That's the only way that, you know, to keep your competitive advantage. And that's the point of being that good now is, is also playing it for ahead, right? Yeah, I yeah. I, I will say there was one matchup that I was looking at at the beginning of the year when I was building best ball rosters that still looks like the best matchup for week 16, and that's the uh, the Bucks and the Texans. So if you wanted to look at you know potential winning your fantasy championship type stacks, I think it would be building around that game if you were gonna like try and get super specific to identify one, especially if you play in like any of these 
big contests like the FFPC or, or anything like that, those might be some some teams to look to try and build around if uh, if you're able to make any moves down the stretch. Yeah, and also important to mention that if your team isn't guaranteed a playoff spot right now, you're you're kind of teetering on there and you're not really sure, you're falling behind, you're getting concerned, like stop playing like a bitch. Take risks, trade guys, pick up guys off waivers. Like I, I can't stand when people are like they're just teetering on the edge, like you know, and they're like, Oh, I can't do this, I can't trade this guy, because it's like, come on, man, like either go all in or get the hell out. Like, I don't like the questions when it's like your team's, you know four and five or five and four and you're like scared to make moves like come on man you're not that great like it's just the way it is like your team's not that great yet so it's okay to make moves um one question i also got off of twitter i'm just curious what you guys think um i think i asked it in one of the group chats that we're in also but uh, my guy that i talked to a lot i've been talking to for years on twitter and uh talking fancy with him a lot bumpy um he asked cup cooper cup this week tyreek hill or adams and you have to sit one I said Devontae Adams. Am I crazy for that? No, I'm crazy. You got to say one of those. <clears throat> I mean, Adams came in and got a got a you know number one target share. They, they're going to feed him the ball. I think it's normal that he did, wasn't fantastic right out of the gate off of this injury. So I wouldn't hold that not so great performance against him. So who but, would you sit then? Yeah, I would send Devontae Adams. Oh, you would send him. Okay. Man, that's so hard. That is so hard. Because <laughs> like you're definitely hanging on to what Cooper Cup did last week, and there's no cook and all this kind of stuff. Like, And it's like, man, if you sit Adams and you play Cup and Cup doesn't do shit, you're going to be like, what the fuck did I do? Well, and what's the worst part is like Cup has the obvious highest ceiling, yeah. but uh, in two of the last three weeks, that hasn't mattered at all because he's just totally bottomed out. Uh, I mean, really, all three of these guys are complete Jekyll and Hyde's from week to week. You know, they've they've had huge fantasy performances and and giant duds. Uh, man, that's so tough, especially with uh, Tyreek Hill potentially getting Mahomes back. I think Tyreek's the only one that I would lock in for sure. I think, yeah, I think it's Adams. Adams is a sit because Tyreek to me actually seems like the one I'm most confident in. And uh, Cooper Cup just, he has so many 20 point games this year that I think that he has the biggest potential for, for a blow up game, yeah. especially against Pitt. It's not even a tough matchup. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I, think- I mean, that game against the Bengals is so tough to ignore, you know, like seven receptions, over 200 receiving yards. It's like, ah. Man, I don't know. It's crazy. It's a tough question, but Adams is who I go with. All right. So I think, do we cover everything as far as the playoff question? Do you guys have anything you want to throw in there? Any guy that you are targeting a lot that has nothing to do with the playoff schedules or anything like that, like late season targets or anything like that? Or you want to do that on another episode? Just if your league mates are dumb enough to trade you Derrick Henry, acquire him now, please, and thank you. It's... He's going to win so many leagues this year, I feel like. Especially just because how much his volume has been ramping up already. And just, I, I don't know. He's going to be like a snowball rolling downhill at the end of this year, I feel like. I put in some big bids this week on Jacob Hollister that were probably completely unnecessary. But I, I very much wanted Jacob Hollister. <laughs> and it's it's not just the two-touchdown game. Like, he... He just he's he's being targeted a lot on the snaps that he does play, and he has room to increase his snaps. 
So I just feel like there's a Will Disley ceiling there. So I'm, uh, I want that. That's a fair one. That's a fair one. And I say just get your Raiders. Just get your Raiders, baby. I think they're going to do. I think they're going to have a better end of the year than they've had at the beginning of the year. Let's put it that way. Got an easier schedule. It's true. I just want you guys to apologize to John Gruden and shit. You guys bash these guys so much going into the season, and they haven't looked half bad. It's really bothering me every week. Every week we have a down week. I go fuck Adam, fuck Josh. That's what I say. All right, I think we covered that. The only thing we have left to do really is foul or no foul, and we're closing this bad boy out. So let's jump over to that. The first one I have for you guys, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the situation. It just kind of broke news today, but rapper T.I. is right now smothering controversy today. He has a podcast, and he said on his podcast that once a year, he goes to the gynecologist with his now 18-year-old daughter to confirm that she's still a virgin. Foul or no foul for Mr. T.I.'s fatherly behavior? That's a huge foul. He's got, he's got he's got women upset, my friend. Yeah, like that's that's not cool. It's not cool at all. And the way he said it, it just sounded terrible. Everything was bad about it. But I was just yeah. Like, what's he gonna do if the doctor says no, she's not? Like, is this guy gonna flip his shit in the doctor's <laughs> office? And I, I just I don't get it, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I get like being like overly protective about your daughter or whatever, but like, you know. There's some things that just need to be communicated and not, you know, acted upon. If that makes sense, things that should just be a conversation and just yeah, exactly. Trust. Like what that that would be the weirdest situation ever that your doctor has to tell you that your daughter is sexually active. Hey, that's just a bad move. It is right. I was trying to see if I could find a. Uh, piece from the episode to say what he exactly he actually said um just to be uh more well versed in it for you guys adam what do you think man you agree with us man i know you don't have any daughters or sons or anything but is there anyone who would agree with ti stance you think just fucked up people i mean i don't know honestly it 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 makes my blood boil (laughs) um to put it frankly i mean to, to not get super ranty or come across like a male feminist, here's a couple things just right off the bat. Uh, breaking your hymen does not necessarily mean that you are or are not a virgin. Um, so that fucking doesn't matter to begin with. Um, the idea that a man of power could talk about any woman in that context uh, that they love uh, is really fucking hard for me to wrap my mind around because it ought really like feels like objectification in a weird way. Um, there, there's also just the aspect of invasion of privacy, um, which I think is a weird dynamic with parents and children. Um, there are some parents that I think think that their children don't deserve any privacy. And I don't know if that magically flips the switch when you turn 18, but it definitely seems like TI falls in that category. Um, but just the cavalier nature in which it was discussed. Uh, Cause I too listened to it. Um, it just, man, it just makes me disappointed for like people yeah. as, as just a whole, yeah, for- um, to know that not only is TI saying this, but he is a powerful male figure, uh, and that there are a lot of other, 
uh, people who would listen to that and go, yeah, I fucking agree. Like, yeah, I'm going to do that with my daughter too. Yep. Uh, it might perpetuate a culture of uh, men wanting to control women's bodies even more than they already think they should be allowed to. Uh, what are you gonna do if she fails this exam? What are you really gonna do? Yeah, and, and like, and 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 let me let me let me actually read what he said just to kind of give people an idea who haven't heard it or aren't gonna listen to it. So you put, so it's this one time we go. I think this might have been after her 16th birthday. This is what we do, right? After the birthday, we celebrate. He said, usually like the day after the party, she's enjoying her gifts. I put a sticky note on the door. Gyno tomorrow, 9:30. So we'll go and sit down at the doctor and the doctor will come in and talk and the doctor is maintaining a high level of professionalism. He's like, you know, sir, I have to in order to share information. I'm like, Daija, they want you to sign this so we can share information. Is there anything you wouldn't want me to know? See, doc, no problem. And so then they come and say, well, I just want you to know that there are other ways besides sex that the hymen can be broken, like bike riding, athletics, horseback riding, and just other forms of athletic physical activity. So I say, look, doc, she don't ride no horses. She don't ride no bikes. She don't play no sports. Just check the hymen, please, and give me back my results. She should not sign the waiver for the doctor to disclose that. Yeah, I mean, this isn't even like me too shit, but like, honestly, why why do people like him not get boycotted for saying shit like this? Yeah, I mean, we'll see see how it plays out. A guy lost a job on SNL for making a half-hearted joke on a podcast about Asian people. Like, this is fucking disturbing. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I just... Oh, man. It makes me... I don't know about you guys. It literally makes me feel physically sick when you are reading that. Yeah. Because of the way in which he talks about his daughter as pure property. Yeah, and, and like the thing is, like, you know, if you have a relationship with your daughter... And I get, like I said, I get being concerned. I get you wanting them not to be involved with bad people or get used and abused, this and that, because it does happen. But, like, you just have to have a relationship where you can communicate these things and not be like this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just one of those things. Like, I even have a son who's 17, going to be 18 soon. He even got drug tested at, like, a physical. You know what I mean? And it wasn't my business, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just how they how they did it. And it's like, you know, it just it's weird. And I know it's hard sometimes for, like, parents to detach themselves from that. But, like, it just is what it is, man. Like, at some point, you just got to know when to let go and give them their space and back off a little bit. And, like, you know, if it's important, hope they'll bring it to you, you know, if they're hurt in some way or whatever. But if it's not, like, it just kind of, you know, it is what it is. And and I think he says his daughter's off at college now and stuff. It's not like she's even living in the house and, like, you know, under your rules and guidance. Like, she's out. Like, just kind of, I don't know, man. At some point, you got to fall back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I get it as a young, you know, if she's young, you're trying to protect her. But like, to, to, I feel like you shouldn't have to go to the gynecologist to have that conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, you don't trust your kid at all. Like, if she was hurt or if someone did her wrong, she would just tell you that. But also, because I'm good at pronouncing names, D E Y J A H is Deja. Deja. What did I say? <laughs> like, Deja. Did I? Well, you actually might have got me right this time. And I messed up this time, Josh. And. That's fucked up because people enjoy you messing up, not me. So that's that Oklahoma teacher name pronunciation. Yeah, he really, you really through. got me, Mister Sanu. Like the nerve <laughs> of you to correct me on a name is unbelievable. <laughs> but out of respect for her, I appreciate it. All right, so we don't appreciate it. It's disgusting, and we hope uh, we'll see how. Like I said, we'll see how this plays out. I'm I'm really curious because he's getting a lot of backlash right now. So we'll see if it's a uh, one of those things here here today. 
gone tomorrow. We'll see what, how, the, how the conversation goes. Um, the next thing here is if you see an altercation breaking out between two people, you're wrong if you don't step in to stop it. Foul or no foul? Uh, foul, gigantically. Uh, it very well could not be safe or in your best interest to try and break up a fight. Uh, I don't know what your guys' lives have been like. I have seen knives get pulled at fights. I learned very quickly after seeing something like that that you never want to try and break up a fight. Because just because you're trying to break up a fight does not mean that you will not get involved in said altercation. Um, I think it's a really tough line to draw because I think that there are definitely situations where you should step in, like uh, if kids are fighting um, or something of that sort. But if you just see a random fight on the street with no context whatsoever, I do not think it is a safe or wise choice to immediately jump and put yourself in a place of danger to potentially break up a fight that you don't even know the context as to why it started. Yeah, I agree with you. I I wouldn't jump in one either. But like you said, I think it depends on who's involved. Um, I was recently at like the baseball field with my kids and I seen like this. I think he was a homeless dude like yelling at the top of his lungs at these two women. And it was getting like, I was like, man, do I like go in between this? Do I let it go? Like, how do, how do, how do we react here? Like, do we just, well, that's, that's so different. I yeah, think but I mean, but still that homeless dude could have a weapon. He could have a knife. He could have a gun. Yeah. Like, I, I, mean, I mean, it's true. And I think in this day and age, it's tough to really know what anybody's capable of. But yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, that's, I went over there city a lot too. In fact, there was a, there was a viral video that was uh, circling around Twitter like a week or two ago. I'm surprised if we didn't cover it, but, uh, it was a, a guy who essentially someone on the subway was walking around to people with a gun and like trying to get them to hand over cash. And this like 50 year old dude was like watching other people witness this. And just immediately when the guy walked by him, stepped up, took the gun away from him and like pushed him into the corner and was holding the guy against the wall and had like a gun on him telling other people to call the police and like literally held him there until the cops arrived. There's like a whole video of it and everything. And the whole time I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like everyone else would have just sat and watched it happen. Like that's what the culture teaches. And I see it every day on, in Chicago. Like you you definitely see it. Um but it's it, I honestly think it just comes from a sense of self-preservation. Like I don't want to get involved because I do not know what this person is capable of. Right. Um, and it's such a tough balancing act because, you know, if, <laughs> if you step in, you're, you're risking your own life, but if you don't step in, you know, you could be risking the lives of others. It It is. It, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to know when to draw the line, but I think in just like a regular street fight, in my experience from what I've seen, I'm, I'm not going to try and break that up. If it's a fight between like friends or something, and I know the people, that's a completely different situation. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you because a lot of people do, you know, get involved and end up being the ones that die. Josh, how do you feel about it? I'm not getting in the middle of it. <laughs> Spoken like, like a true teacher. He's like, I'm not no hero. No, I'm not. <laughs> I respect the honesty, Josh. I respect it. Yeah, it's probably smart not to, man. Like in a sense, you know, like you said, depending on the. Uh, people taking care of it which reminds me did you i think i retweeted it on twitter you guys seen the video of the guy on the transportation where he's like you guys are on public transportation like act right <laughs> did you guys see that fight 
No. Oh man, I retweeted like these two dudes were fighting over whatever, and this guy was like sitting right next to them, like he was sitting calm at first. Oh and, yes, yes, actually, yeah. No, I and know he was like, about. "Fuck, you guys are on public transportation, like." Don't act like this. <laughs> it's like it was hilarious. He like put he his was hands. scolding them. Yeah, he was scolding them while they were beating the crap out of each other. It was like hilarious. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure they're listening to you at this moment. Definitely happening. Yep. All right. So no, we will not jump in altercations. It's just not our thing. All right. I think that's all I have for foul or no foul. Um, do we have any show and tell anybody? Anything interesting you guys? Well, I know Adam was in Boston. You could have a lot of show and tell actually. But anything else? Adam, you got show and tell from Boston or just nothing? I mean, I touched on a little bit. But, oh, yeah, uh, I, I'll go in a little bit more in depth. I, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, I had never been. I was pretty familiar with, like, the, the levels of it. I'd seen the movie. Um, I guess let's start there. Have either of you seen the movie Rocky Horror? I feel like I've seen it, but it's been a while. No. Okay. So... It, it's a big movie in like uh, the sense of like super campiness and uh, essentially watching the movie, which I had done probably like four or five times throughout college. Um, it, like I kind of got the idea as to why people like it or, or, you know, find it interesting. But to me, it just seemed like, oh, it's a movie from the 80s that like has this weird cult following, but I, I don't know. I don't get it. People seem to really like it though. Going to see it live. I knew that there was like, there's like a burlesque aspect to it. Cause they do like a live performance with it. I knew that that was a thing. And, uh, like I knew that they, they like kind of acted out while they're, they're doing the film itself. But what I was unaware of, is that the people who have followed this film since the 80s, they, like, write their own jokes for the movie, and people just scream at the screen the entire time the film's happening. And it's just chaos. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so cool. I, uh, I'd never gone before, and it totally caught me off guard. I mean, for the first 10 minutes or so, I'm just literally, like completely caught off guard um because it's just people screaming at the screen from like all directions and they're all making like weird inside jokes but then as it goes on you kind of realize that like most of the people are making the same jokes and it's like people who've seen it hundreds of times and have heard the same things over and over it shows and it just kind of gets like layered on top of itself I don't know. It's one of those things that like I'd always heard about, but never experienced. And then after going to, I'm like, oh man, like I, I get it. I get why people find this entertaining. I, I definitely would recommend it as like a, a I got to see this at least one time kind of experience. And it's something you can only see in Boston, right? No, no, no. Rocky Horror Picture Show is is anywhere. Uh, they do productions all across the country, uh, oh, okay. most of the time in major cities. But yeah, so. There, I mean, there's obviously different levels of it. Like, um, they do, you know, obviously just the movie itself, which is none of that. Um, but the actual, like, production where um, they put it on, like, a performance in front of the movie, 
there's a couple different production companies I think that put it on throughout the country. But yeah, dude, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, do it in Florida. And again, it you know normally pops up around Halloween just because it's related to the to the holiday, if you will. So yeah, I'm in. I don't know. It was one of those weird things that I, I did on a whim, but but was really entertained by. Yeah, sometimes those random things are the are the best. <laughs> that sounds wild to me. I just couldn't imagine people like yelling at the the whole thing is just confusing. Oh, it's it's such chaos. It's it's one of those things that like you have to experience because it's so hard to to parse. I mean, like the beginning of it, it was like 15 minutes of like a burlesque show cut with like the weirdest commercials I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, just like back and forth, like the commercials being on the projector screen and then the burlesque show being like an actual performance. And it that's, you know, before the, even the movie starts and they go into the whole dramatics around that. Like it, I don't know. It was a whole, whole nother level of, of experience, but uh, I don't know. It, it was super interesting. You don't like the craziness, the screaming and the yelling that <laughs> I just I, like I would not have expected that. I don't know. Oh, I, I did not know that was a thing. That that part I was completely unaware of, and it totally caught me off guard. It was super weird. <laughs> super weird. It's a welcome surprise. Josh, you have anything today, my man? So my thing, uh, we bought my son. So like I've been coaching basketball, and uh, I took him to a basketball game because I just had him with me. And he, like, could not handle the noise, like, just all of the noise. Uh, so we bought him some noise-canceling headphones to wear. And I, they, like, you know, they're Bluetooth. They have Bluetooth, so you can run podcasts and whatnot through them. And I am wearing them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they're fantastic. Do they actually work for noise cancellation? I've only ever had one pair that claimed they were noise canceling, and they didn't really work. I we I haven't taken him to a basketball game yet. I feel like if you have something playing, it might be okay. Like, like when you, when you wear them around, do you notice like a significant difference between it and normal headphones? I don't know if it's really that much more than just like putting my hands over my ears. Okay. What's the brand? So people know they want to check them out. It's uh, it's like um, C O W I N Cowan. And we know how Josh we know how Josh is would pronounce a name, so don't take that for fact. <laughs> <laughs> it might not be that it might be Cowan. Who knows? They weren't real expensive, you know. We just wanted to see if he would even wear them, and but I like them. I love them. Well, that's cool, man. Let us know how update us when you go to the basketball game with him, man. I trust yeah, him. I trust him. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't get bothered by it, I'll believe you. Yeah. All right. Um, my show and tell. I actually just want to. I just think it's interesting. Um, I know. I know Adam listens to a lot of Joe Rogan, but um, he's had a couple people on recently. Which, you know, Adam, uh, the UFO dude. Do you know his name? Which one? The one that says like he worked on UFO stuff and everything. Bob Larson. Yeah, I think it's him. Bob Laser. Laser. Something like that? Uh, no. I literally just said it, and I'm pretty sure Bob Lazar. Lazar, yeah, there you go. Yeah, so like I, I said Lazar. So I, yeah, yeah. I was mispronouncing it. So I couldn't tell if he was shit or not. And then he had the um, the uh, reti- retired U.S. Navy pilot 
who said he actually seen the UFO and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, man, I'm like, it's like, uh, am I just buying into these guys because they're on the podcast and they sound believable? Or like, do you think there's anything to these? I, I, I don't want to recommend people to listen to them because I think they're interesting. Um, and they get you kind of thinking about, you know, aliens or unidentified stuff that maybe it's not aliens or whatever it is. Who knows? But like when these guys go on record, man, especially the Navy pilot, I'm like, man, it's hard to like believe that a Navy pilot, you know, a veteran of like however many years is just on a podcast bullshitting to millions of people. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he's not bullshitting. I mean, the the thing about David Favor, the thing about, uh, oh man, his name just totally slipped my mind. Bob Lazar. We were just discussing. <laughs> Bob Lazar, thank you. Is they have stuck to their story since they initially talked about it. And it never has changed. And that is rare in in the conspiracy community. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I totally believe them. I, it's so interesting having them show up on, on Joe Rogan's podcast now and beginning all of this traction. Because uh, I had a big conspiracy theory phase when I was in college. So I'm super familiar with all of this shit. Um so it's really crazy how how um, popular it's become because Rogan's blown up so much and and anyone he has on anymore seems to gain a lot of traction. Um, there's a lot of weird there's a lot of weird weird stuff with UFOs. It's so interesting because it's you know as far as conspiracy theories go, I mean it's it's like the largest conspiracy theory over the years and, and it has the most information that's been attached to it. And like any good conspiracy theory, it's ninety five percent bullshit. But there's five percent where it's experiences like this, where it's literal US Navy fighter pilots witnessing something on camera that they have evidence of, being able to show it explain what they saw in real life and say that it's absolutely unexplainable based on everything that we know. And yet they saw it. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I mean, and, and yeah, I mean, it's crazy and you can watch the video of it too. So it's like, you know, the video is not phenomenal, but if you believe what these people are saying and you watch it with the video, you don't understand what happened. <laughs> exactly. And it reminds me of watching like David Blaine or something where you watch this high-level magic and you're like, I, I know there has to be an explanation because I know that magic's not real, but I don't know the explanation. It's the same type of shit when I watch UFOs to me. Like, I look at it and I have the thought, okay, I know what I just saw. <laughs> I know my brain can't make sense of it. But, like, there's there's got to be something or someone that that knows how that works and i don't know it, it's really it's really fascinating to me i i don't know i got like i said big into conspiracy theories when i was in college um if you want to get really weird start looking into the stuff about aliens not being from another planet but coming from the fourth dimension and that's where things get super interesting <laughs> uh and that deals with this whole ufo sighting specifically as well which is a whole nother branch of fun conspiracy theory that people can get into but yeah it's it's super interesting and those podcasts are fantastic yeah for anyone who is interested in going back and just hearing those maybe they don't listen to rogan that's cool but if you want to listen to those episodes specifically, the Bob Lazar one is episode number 13, 15, one, yeah, 13, 15, which was back in June. And then the most recent guy, which for me is even more believable just because, you know, he's a confirmed retired 
uh, Navy pilot, but that's episode 1361. It was out on October 5th. So I definitely recommend those. And also, man, we're always giving all these recommendations. If anybody has a true crime murder podcast that they want to recommend, please hit me up. I, I'm not a Neil, big fan. I got one for you. Hold buddy. on, listen. I'm not a big fan of the ones that are different every episode. I need a murder yep. through the whole season. Yes, yep. I need a whole season of one murder. Let me let yeah. me make sure that's right. So, you got one? Yeah, well, here's the great thing is you're going to have to stop calling them murder pods because I'm <laughs> telling you, bud, there's there's too much good true crime stuff out there that's not just murder that's related. True. That's true. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, there's one that I just started listening to, which – uh, super big content warning. Uh, it deals with child abuse and specifically child pornography. I, it's a totally dark topic. Um, that being said, it's an extremely well done podcast by the CDC and they do phenomenal work and a lot of other true crime podcasts. Um, but it, it, it's called hunting warhead. And I will say that the, uh, the first episode of it left a like ending cliffhanger that felt like I was watching a TV show. Uh, it was it was really well done. Um, so it, it's super interesting if you like that lane of true crime podcasts. It's extremely well produced. Uh, there are only two episodes in so far, but it's definitely one that I, I recommend. Yeah, I have to check it out. That yeah, I mean, I, you know, if it's a good production, that's what I'm looking for. You know, one season of one story. You know, up and vanish. Someone knows something. Cold yeah, Wall, all those kind of. You things. and I have the exact same taste when it comes to that, lo- yeah. like that type of true crime. Yeah. So, if anyone has any recommendations, definitely hit up me, hit up Adam, let us know because I'm always looking for new ones. I'm like clear out of some good ones right now. I'm like I got nothing to listen to in terms of those kind of podcasts. So, if anyone has one, definitely hit us up. Other than that, I think we covered everything today, fellas. I think we got everything. Josh, new article out. Yeah, yeah, it just it came out yesterday. Golly, I cannot think of who was on. Oh, it's Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is on the cover? <laughs> yeah. Man, Ronald Jones, the cover boy, the plotter. Never would have imagined. That's fair. That's fair. Any any, 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 any surprising names in that article? Oh, Jacob Hollister's in there. Uh, golly. Zach, Pe- Zach Pascal. Those are, those are the big ones, I think. I think I threw Amir Abdullah in just for fun. Go check it out. Go find it. You can find those on playerprofiler.com. You can also just go to Josh's Twitter, at JC Crocker, to find them. Adam's Twitter handle is at the other FF guy. Adam, what have you dropped recently on Twitter? Oh, are we going to play the, go read read it. Adam's recent I'm tweets read game it. again? I'm going to read it. Since Adam like this, it like this podcast hasn't gone long enough. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. We always need good content. What's Adam's last tweet, guys? I know this is a hit. This is a hit segment. Let's see. Should we go for his last reply or his last tweet himself, Josh? It's got to be something he actually tweeted. Let's see. So his reply to somebody else, though? I I have it if you want me to read it. Yeah, you go ahead and read it because we want to hear it in your voice. It's like an audio book. I want you, the author, to read it to us. Yeah, so somebody tweeted out one of these, how would you build a perfect running back with today's current NFL running backs? And they go through power, speed, agility, and like name a player that's currently in the NFL to make this amazing hybrid Frankenstein running back. And I just retweeted it. Christian McCaffrey would still be better than this Frankenstein creation. Damn. So yeah, that's what you get from me on the Twitter machine. 
high level Christian McCaffrey fanboy shit. If you want it, follow at the other FF guy. You can follow me at Clock Dodgers on everything. Subscribe to the podcast. Check out the website. All that good stuff. We appreciate you guys when you leave reviews, when you hit us up and let us know you enjoyed the episode. If you have questions, any kind of feedback, even if it's negative, it's all good. By the way, reminder, if anyone started late or skipped past the beginning, I have a cold. I am not snorting cocaine over here the whole episode. So if I'm sniffling or sounds like I'm snorting stuff and I didn't edit them out, no drugs have been used. At least on my end. Adam definitely did drugs. And uh, Josh is a sober guy, man. That's how we're going to leave it because he's a teacher. And uh, that's it. That's it. That's all we got, guys. As always, be kind. Be great. All the drugs. Just all of them. (laughs) Did this guy literally interrupt my... My closer? You called me out. You're like, this guy's using drugs. <laughs> All right, everybody. Good night. But I'm, I mean, that's how this was supposed to end. And you you cut me off, man. You've never cut yeah, me off. you deserve that one. <laughs> Usually, you let me go and then you say something. And that's all right. But this one, you actually cut off. Like, you know how many people were listening right now? And they were like, be great. Be kind. And you're like, what? And you just ruined it for a whole bunch of people. And that rhythm matters, Adam. It matters. You were doing be drugs. Be kind. Be great. <sighs> Keep dodging, everybody. Be kind. Be great. Adam does drugs. Josh doesn't. Right? Wink, wink. I don't. None of us do drugs. Adam doesn't do drugs either. No. Keep winking. Be kind. Be great. Wink, wink. Keep dodging.